We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up everybody welcome into this all new episode of the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl before we get started today, a shout out to our new Packaday podcast members, Luke Reamer, Rudy Rosati, Tim O'Neill, Chris Rhyme, Gary Barda, Jared Arneson, Sean Hanilica, Sean Pyle, and Mark Nichols. Appreciate you guys signing up. If you have not yet checked out Packaday podcast memberships, make sure to do so. Like, subscribe, give those five-star reviews. And oh, by the way, if you guys didn't know, go to packadaypodcast.com and pick up some sweet Packaday podcast merchandise as well. We also have that going for us. So lots of ways to support the podcast. If you're interested in doing so, if not, I just appreciate you being here. Today is one of my favorite episodes of the entire season. For those of you who do not know, I go through and I grade every single player on every single play throughout the entirety of the season. And I've done this now since 2017, 2018. I don't know. It's been a while and it's a painstaking process. It takes forever. It's one of the biggest uh, undertakings that I do all season long. And the grades ultimately are for me. And that might sound weird, but the reason I decided to do it was when I first got into covering the Packers, I felt like I needed something to differentiate myself from everything else that was out there. And I figured grading every player on every play would be a way to do that. It was a way to look at the tape on all 22 and just do something different. I know PFF does something similar, but there's not a face to the person that's covering the Packers at PFF. And I figured if I would be the one person that would watch every player on every play, not only would it give me a different, unique angle, uh, but it would also allow me to talk about a bunch of different things, different plays that I saw throughout the course of the year and just cover the team in a way that was different. So that's why I went about doing it. So I wanted to not only do it, I wanted to obviously, you know, keep track of all the grades and everything like that. And like I said, in a lot of ways, I did it for myself so I could kind of keep track of, all right, who's playing well, who's not. And in the process, I just started releasing the grades. I will say this every single time. And for those of you who've been following me for a while, you're probably sick of it. And I apologize. They're not perfect. They're never going to be perfect. They never were perfect. But 
If you go and you watch every single player on every single play and you track things and you're uh, specifically calculating you know, a, a grade based on what they do on every play, eventually it's going to tell a story. And far more often than not, the players that have graded really, like when Aaron Rodgers was winning MVPs, guess what? It correlated with extremely high grades in the system. When the Packers were doing well, their overall grades were fantastic. And we'll see that again on offense, especially in the second half of this year. When players would get cut, guess what? Or not re-signed or traded away. Guess what? Their grades were not great. I remember one of the very first ones that I spoke out and was outspoken about was HaHa Clinton Dix. And I kept, I was like preaching to everyone. I'm like, man, this guy is just really playing poorly. And this was coming off, you know, he was what, uh, I think it was a second team all pro and a pro bowler. And everyone's telling me like, I'm just an idiot. They're like, Andy's like, uh, he's a pro bowler. He's an all pro guy. You don't know what you're talking about. And this is obviously when I was first like starting to do this. And I'm like, no guys, seriously, watch, watch it. And I would show examples on film and sure enough, guess what happens? He gets traded away because he was playing poorly. And then I think it came to a point where people were finally starting to realize it, but I was like a year and a half ahead of it. And then I went on Washington radio and I told them, be careful. This guy's not what you expect him to be. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, we're really excited about it. And then eventually they came back to me and like, man, you were right. It wasn't very good. And then the Bears signed him. And I went on and talked to multiple Bears uh, talk shows and podcasts. And I said, be careful what you wish for. This is not going to be what you expect. And then of course he was not. And there was all the Adrian Amos was going to be worse than haha Clinton Dix talk in Chicago. We all know how that ended up. But long story short, I've done this to kind of keep track of things for myself, but in the process, I love going through my grades uh, through the course of the season and just reviewing everything. And it does really paint a picture of who's trending up, who's trending down. So we're not going to go through every player's grade. I don't think that would make for great podcast content, uh, but you can view them over on Packer Report uh, if you are interested in doing so. But I'm going to go through some of the cool trends and sort of awards, and I'll go through some individual awards at the end of this episode as well. But let's start right away. My highest graded player on the season, the one, the only Jordan Love. And while that might not seem surprising, and it shouldn't be surprising, plus 16.7 grade, I mean, easily, by far and away, my next player was a plus 6.75. So he was 10 points better. And I should point out here that certain positions are inherently more like there's a higher range that you can get to. Now, it means there's also a lower range that you can get to, but it's not always the easiest to compare and contrast position by position. What I would almost equate this to is like an impact score. Who had the best and worst impact on each game, on each play, and then through the course of the season? And Jordan Love had easily the highest impact with a plus 16.7 grade. But while that, again, may seem obvious, through week nine of the season... Through nine weeks, he had a plus 0.6 grade. He's middle of the road. He's not even, and he's not in the bad category. He's not in the good category. He's just sort of there. He was fine. He was unspectacular. It was fine. He, he, he was clearly a starting quarterback, but you just weren't sure. And then, and then the remainder of the season, a plus 16.1 grade just took off in an incredible, incredible way, as we all know, and just completely took over not only this team and just guided them into the playoffs and then over the the Dallas Cowboys and into a game where they had the opportunity to win against San Francisco, although that was not uh, clearly one of his best performances. 
But he also put the league on notice with what he did in the second half of the year. He got himself a contract that is probably in, I don't know, 45 million a year range. He got himself a, a major, major uh, deal long term. He made himself the franchise quarterback unquestionably. He's now undeniably that dude. It just changed everything for the not only the trajectory of Jordan Love, but for the Packers that season and for the Packers moving forward. That changed everything. Brian Gutekinds just talked this week and is talking about acquiring free agents and maybe making trades and how they can improve this team that they're going to be working on a contract with Jordan Love. None of that stuff is probably happening if he has to reevaluate how he's going to get another quarterback in the door because he's not sure if Jordan Love is going to be the guy. And even if he had continued at that very similar, you know, 0.6 pace and ended up with like a plus 1.2 grade, you'd have been like, all right, he's clearly a starting quarterback, but we're going to have to put everything around him in order to be successful. Like we're going to have to be perfect. Uh, Otherwise, it's just not going to work. And now that's not the case. Now, Jordan, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis always talk about quarterbacks as trucks or trailers. If you're a truck, you can put the team, uh, you know, behind you and you're the truck that's driving it along and you're the one that's going to guide it. If you're the trailer, then that means that the rest of the team has to carry you along. And Jordan went from being a trailer midway through the season, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, you know, it's obviously not a great thing, but you can win still in those situations, but you have to have the, all the right scenarios around you and all the right players around you. And then maybe you can get there, but Jordan is now a truck. He's the leader. He's the guy and easily the highest graded player in the season with a plus one, uh, 16.7 grade, excuse me. My highest graded non-quarterback. I've spoiled this a little bit over the course of the last couple of weeks. So if you've been play- paying close attention, I've let this slip a couple of times, but my highest graded non-quarterback on the season was, drum roll please, guesses, guesses, anyone, anyone, Dontavian Wicks plus 6.75 grade. And this is such a reason as to why I love it, you know, going and watching the All-22. It's funny. I heard this story recently and I always thought it, but I didn't know it for sure. And now I've sort of had it confirmed. Prior to Jordy Nelson being released, that season beforehand, Devontae Adams was getting open all the time. And this was before Devontae was Devontae. He was open all the time. And it was so frustrating to watch on tape as I'm going through the All-22 because it would be like every single time that Aaron went and had his first read to Jordy, Devontae was open every single freaking time. I mean, obviously I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but like he was always open, but he would always look to Jordy first because that was his guy. And this is like Jordy post-injury, wasn't quite the same dude. And he was always still looking to Jordy first. And then ever it's just seemed like on the worst luck possible that every time he did look to Devonte first, it would be like the one time that he was actually covered. And I was going freaking crazy. And when they released Jordy and there was all this backlash, I always kind of wondered because I'm watching Devonte get open over and over and over and over again, but he's always looking at Jordy first. And I'm like, I kind of always wondered, I think, I wonder if they're moving on from Jordy because they need him to look at Devante first. And they know that if Devante 
you know, if Jordy's on the roster, they're never going to look at Devontae. And my understanding is that there is a level of truth to that, if not a total truth to that. I can't confirm it 100%, but I have heard those, heard talk of that, that they basically needed to move on from Jordy because they knew if he was there, Aaron was going to look his way almost every single time. And meantime, they had Devontae ready to wait, you know, break out and literally be the best wide receiver in football. And he just wasn't looking over there enough. And then, of course, Devontae becomes the best wide receiver in football. So, that ended up working out. But the reason, uh, again, I do this is because I love watching like things that are happening down the field that we don't get to see on the TV copy. And again, back then it was Haha Clinton Dix playing terrible at safety. It was Devante that was clearly ready to break out. And now it's a guy like Dontavian Wicks, who not only was a separation sensation and they released the metrics this week. I forget uh, the name of who it was, but one of the data analysts of, you know, the number one wide receiver against press man coverage in the league at separating was Dontavian Wicks. And it wasn't necessarily even close, but not only can he do that, we saw some ridiculous run after the catch stuff. He drew some pass interferences. And then also one of the big things about getting really good grades is that you have to avoid negative grades. And for wide receivers, it's really easy to get negative grades on plays just by being crappy at blocking. And I, I try not to dock that too much, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint, but Wicks is such a good blocker or where at minimum, he's not getting very many negatives. And sometimes he, he's even a good enough blocker where he's getting positives as whether it's like a little wide receiver screen to the outside and he's blocking someone. You know, we saw some of those plays against San Francisco. He is a really good blocker. He's a great route runner. He's got great hands. He can go up and get the ball. He separates. And so many of these times where even the ball's not thrown his way, he's finding ways to get open or he's blocking on the outside. He's just constantly, constantly, constantly doing things that help the team that are net positives. And when you have very few negatives, some extremely explosive plays are constantly getting open, are blocking well, you're going to end up with a pretty good grade. And guess what? That's exactly what happened with Dontavian Wicks. Plus 6.75 grade, my highest non-graded quarterback, or if you just want to say my second highest graded player on the team, Dontavian Wicks plus 6.75. My highest graded defensive player, Kenny Clark, 4.65 grade. Defense a little bit harder to get some of those big grades, although Zadarius Smith in his epic season had a plus 20 something grade. So like it can happen. And man, he was so freaking good that year. But Kenny Clark, really, really solid. He's had some plus 10 years in the past. This is not still like prime Kenny Clark, but man, he was so freaking consistent. I know PFF didn't like him quite as much this year. I did. I thought his Pro Bowl uh, nod was well-deserved. I know it was as an alternate. He held up so well at the point of attack and it was just like impossible to move him. And again, I just talked about, you don't want those negative grades and he is so hard to move that, you know, when you're getting big negatives on the defensive line, it's because you're getting moved off your spot or you're getting on the ground. Kenny had so many uh, or so few and far between of those type of plays. And in the meantime, he's stacking multiple, you know, multiple offensive linemen at once, keeping guys off of his linebackers, getting into the backfield, tackles for loss, sacks. This is one of, I think, his best season from a sack standpoint, if I remember correctly. Either way, really great year for Kenny Clark and well-deserving of the top defensive player honor. Highest graded rookie, of course, Dontavian Wicks, plus 6.75 grade. My most improved player. So you had to play at least 175 snaps for any of these. Uh, but my most improved player from last year to this year was 
Romeo Dobbs, he went up plus 8.05 points. He actually had like a negative two, somewhere around their grade last year. And this year he was right behind Dontavian Wicks uh, with a six something grade. So he had a massive improvement. And this is another one of those where from a you know super sexy standpoint, Dobbs isn't always making those plays. Although towards the end of the year, he exploded with a couple really big games, including his game against what was it, Dallas, right? Where he was just phenomenal and was like their leading receiver in the playoffs. So he came up big at the end of the year. He gets that play against New Orleans at the end of the game to touch to catch the game winning touchdown pass. He had some pretty impressive plays where he plucked the ball out of the air. Like he comes up with some very big plays as well. Uh, but sometimes he just kind of goes on the, you know, he, he, there, a lot of those plays aren't as flashy as some of the big Jaden Reed or Christian Watson or Aaron Jones type plays, but he's so freaking consistent. Doesn't get very many negative plays. Doesn't have a ton of drops. I know there's some, you know, strong hands, Romeo Dobbs type conversation of, is he really have that strong of hands? Cause sometimes it, you know, he doesn't come up with those. It's a little bit inconsistent. Overall, just a really solid player. Didn't play that well a season ago, uh, at least in comparison to what he did this year. So my most improved grade from last year to this year, Romeo Dobbs, plus 8.05 difference. My biggest decline, my biggest decline was Keyshawn Nixon. And a lot of this, it was just a negative three difference. A lot of this is just more playing time. What can happen a lot of times is, I think Colby Wooden's going to be a good example of this, where Colby Wooden had like a slight positive grade and like, I don't know, a little less than 200 snaps, I want to say. That sounds great. If all of a sudden Colby Wooden was asked to play like 600 snaps, that grade's going from like a little bit above positive to probably well in the negative. If he just had to play that many snaps, I just think the grade would go way down. But with Keyshawn, it wasn't anything egregious, but he went from being like a spot player here or there who had you know some decent play to now being a every down player, the only corner that started every game for Green Bay this year. And we just saw a little bit of a decline from Keyshawn, mostly because of that. It wasn't on a per play basis, but just overall, we saw a slight decline. So nothing really worth going over here, but he did end up being my, my lowest or my biggest difference in a negative uh, point of view uh, going from a, I think it was still like a slight negative to a bigger negative this year. And again, it was a negative three difference from last year to this year. Hey friends, for those of you who know me well enough, you know that the only thing I might like more than the Packers is pizza, but not just any pizza. Of course, Little Caesars pizza. It's time that you join me and make Little Caesars, which by the way, is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame, all day on NFL game days and Pro Bowl Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. And as I always tell you, do not forget the crazy bread. The best part is that everyone wins with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pick up. So grab some friends, grab some crazy bread, and enjoy some delicious Little Caesars pizza during the game. Hey friends, I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found GameTime. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. 
Game time is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using Game Time, stress-free. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Oh, and Game Time is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code Packaday. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. My top five highest graded players on offense, Jordan Love plus 16.7, Dontavian Wicks plus 6.75, Romeo Dobbs plus 6.55, Zach Tom plus 5.9, and Jaden Reed plus 5.45. So top five offensive players, Love, Wicks, Dobbs, Tom, and Reed. Top five highest defensive players, Kenny Clark plus 4.65, Rashawn Gary plus 3.1, Razul Douglas plus 1.65. Yes, Razul Douglas traded away before the trade deadline right at Halloween. Only played, what, seven games on the season, I think. Still my third highest graded defensive player on the year. So that stings a little bit, no question about it. But Razul Douglas, number three. Preston Smith, number four, plus 1.3 grade. And Carl Brooks, five, plus 1.00 grade. My top graded player by position, again, minimum 175 snaps, quarterback Jordan Love, 16.7, running back Aaron Jones, plus 5.2. You can imagine if you played the whole season what that could have been. Receiver Dontavian Wicks, plus 6.75, tight end Tucker Kraft, plus 4.35, offensive lineman Zach Tom, plus 5.9, defensive lineman Kenny Clark, plus 4.65, Edge, Rashawn Gary, plus 3.1. Linebacker, Isaiah McDuffie, negative 1.25. My highest graded linebacker with 175 snaps or more was McDuffie with a negative 1.25 grade. Corner, Razul Douglas, plus 1.65. And safety, Rudy Ford with a negative 0.7 grade. So inside linebacker and safety, easily the the ones that stand out where the best grade was McDuffie with a negative 1.25 and Ford with a negative 0.7. My lowest graded offensive players on the year. Number one, John Runyon Jr., negative 4.95. This is where I point out 
over the last five weeks of the season, he was like plus 1.5, a complete 180 from how he was playing earlier in the season. He found his footing. I think the competition with Sean Ryan paid off a little bit, but he was playing so much better at the end of that, you know, end of last year to the point where I was surprised they kept putting Sean Ryan out there. It just felt like it was John Runyon Jr.'s time to take that spot over. He played much, much better, but still on the season, negative 4.95. Josh Myers, We've been through this. To me, not his best season, negative 4.7, not the best football of his career. He did have some signs towards the end of the year, but still nothing to write home about. To me, still probably the weakest link on the offense. Royce Newman, negative 3.3, abysmal when he was in there. Just no two ways around it. Yash Nyman, negative 2.55, not great when he was in there. He had a really tough season, sort of under the radar. And then Rashid Walker, and yes, these are all offensive linemen. And you might say, well, like, yeah, you're just going to get more negative grades. Just remember, Zach Tom had a plus 5.9. Elton Jenkins was in the positive. uh, John Runyon Jr. was in the positive over the last five weeks. Rashid Walker, yes, negative 2.3. He was well in the positive over the second half of the season. So you can grade in the positive. It's just that some of these offensive linemen, it just took them far too long to get going. Newman and Nyman, we know, did not have great years. We know Myers didn't have a great year. Running didn't start playing well till the very end of the season. And Rasheed Walker, those first six, seven games were awful. And then he's just like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a starting tackle now. And he was really good from that point on. But those were my five lowest graded offensive players. Lowest graded defensive players, Devondre Campbell, negative 3.0. Keyshawn Nixon, negative 2.45. Quay Walker, negative 2.15. Jonathan Owens, negative 1.8. And Darnell Savage, negative 1.75. By the way, Savage went from almost being in the top five after that 49ers game to in the negative or in the bottom five after that Cowboys game. That's how much it can swing if you have a really good game or a really bad game. And that last game was a really, really bad game for Darnell Savage. My highest graded individual game on offense for the season was Jordan Love with a plus 3.80 in the wildcard game against the Dallas Cowboys. It was phenomenal in that game. My highest graded individual game on defense was Rashad. Sean Gary with a plus 1.95 week 12 against the Lions when he had the three sacks, forced fumble, just a fumble recovery, just a massive performance from him. My lowest graded individual game on offense was Jordan Love with a negative 1.8 in week five against the Raiders and that really awful game. And then my lowest graded individual game on defense was Darnell Savage with a negative 2.65 grade from his play in the divisional round where he was brutally bad. Highest graded offensive player on a per snap basis. Um, Again, minimum 175 snaps. Number one on the list, this is another fun one. And he guesses my highest graded offensive player on a per snap basis. Number one is, if you guessed Aaron Jones, you are wrong. Dontavian Wicks, you are wrong. It is Bo Melton. Bo Melton was my highest graded offensive player, my highest graded player on a per play basis. Now, yes, Small sample size, end of the year, and when he did play, he came on extremely strong. But man, on a per-play basis, he was the highest graded player on the team this year, which is noteworthy. We'll see if he can continue that, but man, was he impressive. And uh, it was just limited playing time, but it seems to be maybe they should get him out there a little bit more, and they were at the end of the season. He's a really good player. I I wholeheartedly believe that. I don't think that was just some crazy flash in the pan. I think that's going to continue for Bo Melton. Jordan Love, number two. Dontavian Wicks was number three. Aaron Jones, number four. And Jaden Reed, number five. So my top five offensive players per play, Melton, Love, Wicks, Jones, and Reed. 
highest graded defensive players per play. Kenny Clark, number one, Rashawn Gary, number two, Razul Douglas, number three, Carl Brooks, number four, and Preston Smith, number five. Not too much different from the uh, top five overall grades. Lowest graded offensive player on a per snap basis. Not surprising. Royce Newman, by far and away the lowest graded offensive player per play, followed by Yash Nyman, Josiah DeGuara, John Runyon Jr., and then Josh Myers. Lowest graded defensive players per snap, Devondre Campbell, followed by Anthony Johnson Jr., Lucas Van Ness, quietly the third lowest graded player per snap on defense, Corey Ballantyne, and Keyshawn Nixon. So Campbell, Anthony Johnson Jr., LVN, Ballantyne, and Keyshawn Nixon, five lowest graded players per snap. My highest graded game uh, for total offense was the wild card game uh, against Dallas with a plus 10.55 grade. My highest graded total defensive performance was a plus 3.95 grade uh, week 18 against the Chicago Bears. This may not surprise you, but my two highest graded defensive performances on the year were week 18 against the Bears and week one against the Bears. The Packers only seemed to play good defense against the Bears last year. Lowest graded game of total offense was a negative 5.6 game against the Raiders. My lowest graded game on defense was negative 4.6 against the Lions in week four when they got shellacked on Thursday night football. My total offensive grade for the season, plus 44.6 with everything combined. My total defensive grade for the season, negative 10.35. For those wondering, I do not grade special teams. I will nerd out on a lot of things. I'm sorry I can't get myself to grade special teams. Just not quite that level of degenerate quite yet. I will put together a 365-day-a-year podcast. I will talk to you guys about Packers 365 days a year, nonstop, but I cannot get myself to grade special teams. So I am sorry if I have let any of you down. This is this is one of my favorite ones. Most games graded in the positive. So this means how many times did you have a positive grade on the season? It might just be a plus 0.05. It could be a, the slightest ever positive, but how many games did you grade in the positive? Number one, Zach Tom with 17 games graded in the positive. What a freaking stud. Number two was a tie between Romeo Dobbs and Jordan Love with 14 games. Then Dontavian Wicks, Tucker Craft, and Preston Smith with 13 games graded in the positive. So Zach Tom, 17, Dobbs in love with 14, Wicks, Craft, and Preston Smith with 13 games graded in the positive. Most games graded in the negative, John Runyon Jr. with 13, Kingsley Nigbari with 12, Keyshawn Nixon, and Josh Myers with 11. So those were the most consistently not great performers this past year. My most improved players from 2022 to 2023, minimum of 175 snaps total. Number one was Romeo Dobbs, second year jump. Number two was Zach Tom, second year jump. Number three was Elton Jenkins, who last year, if you remember, was brutally bad at the beginning of the season, coming off the torn ACL and they put him at right tackle and it did not go well. And then he started looking like Elton Jenkins when they moved him back to left guard, uh, but it took some time and then it just was almost like a wash through the season. This year, he was much better just playing at left guard all year, but he was the, the third most improved player. Preston Smith was number four. And then number five was Darnell Savage, not because he was good, but just because he was so bad last year that he was actually still better this year, even though he was in my five lowest graded players on defense this year. So that's where I'm at with Darnell Savage, if you want to know. Still uh, not to me anyone that they probably want to retain. I, maybe they will. Maybe he would fit better in this defense. We will see. But I'm, I'm about all out on the Darnell Savage experience at this point. 
The biggest decline from 2022 to 2023, minimum 175 snaps in both seasons. Keyshawn Nixon, we talked about, negative three down, followed by Christian Watson. A lot of that just due to injuries and not playing as much. John Runyon Jr., Josiah DeGuara, and Jair Alexander. Those were the biggest declines this year. The 2023 draft class by Brian Gutekunst had a plus 14.8 grade this year. That is insane, by the way. That is in freaking insane. A bunch of rookies playing a ton of snaps with a plus 14.8 grade combined. Absolutely freaking insane. The 2023 offseason free agent class. Do you want to do you know do you remember the 2023 free agent additions? There were three of them. I'll give you a second. If you can get all three of them, uh I don't know. I owe you something. I don't know how I can trust any of you heathens, but uh I will be impressed if you can get all three of these. Jonathan Owens had a negative 1.8 grade on the season. Matt Orzik, of course, was a special teamer, so no grade for him. The other one, Tarverius Moore, who, of course, did not make the roster coming out of training camp. So those were their big three free agent additions this past year. Jonathan Owens, Tarverius Moore, and Matt Orzik with a combined negative 1.8 grade, all for Jonathan Owens. Last but not least, before I get to my final awards, here were the uh, the players that are upcoming 2024 unrestricted free agents. So these are players who are not under contract going into next year um, as, again, unrestricted free agents. John Runyon Jr., negative 4.95 grade. Yash Nyman, negative 2.55. Tyler Davis did not play. A.J. Dillon, plus 1.4. Josiah DeGuara, negative 1.65. Eric Wilson, plus 0.15. Rudy Ford, negative 0.7. Jonathan Owens, negative 1.8. Darnell Savage, negative 1.75. Corey Ballantyne, negative 1.7. Keyshawn Nixon, negative 2.35. A total grade for the Packers 2024 unrestricted free agent class, negative 15.9. When I said recently that I'm just not worried about them losing any of their free agents, I'm just not worried about them losing any of their free agents. There's a negative 15.9. This might literally be a true addition by subtraction. They're going to have 11 draft picks. They're going to sign some guys in free agency. If you want to bring a couple of those guys back and let them compete, that's fine. But I am not losing any sleep about losing any of those players, if I'm being totally honest. All right. That does it for my grades. I'm just going to run through my final awards, uh, and then I'll get you guys out of here. My MVP for the season... Jordan Love, my offensive player of the year. I know Dontavian Wicks graded better, but I'm going with Zach Tom as my offensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year, Kenny Clark. My comeback player of the year is Rashawn Gary. Most improved player, Romeo Dobbs. Offensive rookie of the year, Dontavian Wicks. Defensive rookie of the year, Carl Brooks. Most disappointing player, Jair Alexander. Most improved in season. So from, you know, I'll say training camp, training camp to end of year, I still have to go Jordan Love, although I could make a very, very strong case for Tucker Craft and Rasheed Walker. So most improved again from minicamp OTAs training camp to the final game of the year. I'll still say Jordan Love and give him the award, but man, did Tucker Craft and Rasheed Walker deserve legitimate consideration there. Best surprise performer, Bo Melton. Breakout player on offense, Jordan Love. Breakout player on defense. I almost put nobody here because I just don't think there was a true breakout performer on defense. That's like a rookie can't be a breakout player. All right. So I'm like, they're rookies. They're, of course, like they, they can't break out from what they did last year. They were rookies. So they, they just, that doesn't count. But I almost went with nobody. I'm going to go with TJ Slayton. I did think he took a step in the right direction. He played way more snaps this year than he did before, held up well. So my breakout player on defense, TJ Slayton, although it's barely over nobody at this point. 
Most underrated player, I'm going Rasheed Walker. I still don't think Walker is getting the credit that he deserves for the second half of the season that he had. It was it was really, really good in my opinion, and I don't think he's getting quite the credit that he deserves for that. Most overrated player of the season was Jair Alexander. Obviously, the injuries, the suspension, the bizarro circumstances played really well in those final couple games, the, the Cowboys game with the huge interception. Hopefully, that's a harbinger of things to come next year, but if you're looking at what we expected going into the year, to what we got. I would have to put that on Jair Alexander for most overrated player this year. Coach of the year, I'm going John Dunn. Having three rookie tight ends, a second round pick, a third round pick, and a waiver claim undrafted free agent, uh, all great in the positive somehow is insane. And he deserves a ton of credit. Uh, Jason Vrabel should be in that conversation as well. And my locker room player of the year, Aaron Jones, my favorite moment. He lifts Dontavian Wicks' helmet up on the field. Just that consummate professional, the heartbeat of the team. So he's getting that award. Those are my awards. Those are my grades. What a freaking season it was. I appreciate you guys joining me today. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most State in Minnesota, and PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shabra Dad, Brandon Paletta, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donna Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, and David McCluskey. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.